Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DC Hoops Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Dawson Cloward, and today we've got my overview of the 2020 NBA free agency class. That coming up next. Welcome back to today's podcast. I hope everyone's having a great Sunday. Um, I hope everyone's getting some good rest, If you're whether you're working or all that other stuff, if you're doing stuff with your family. hope everyone's having a nice day today. Um, I just want to say this first off before we get into today's uh, podcast that uh, um, I will not be posting the next podcast until next Friday or Saturday. This next Friday or Saturday. I will be going on a little bit of a trip with some of my college buddies. I will be out of town, and I'm sorry for that, but I will make sure to give you guys an extra podcast this next week after to make up for that. And so, again, I'm sorry about that, guys, but the next podcast after this one will be my 2020 NBA mock draft for the, all the lottery teams that are set right now. So I'm very excited for that podcast, and I hope you guys are too. Now, let's jump right into today's podcast. Today, we're going to go over 2020 free agency and where I predict certain players will go based on team cap space, team needs, all of that type of stuff. Now, what I'm basing this off of, um, there's an article on Bleacher Report by Eric Pincus. I think that's how you say it. Um, He's going over some of the cap for... The teams that will be will be available as well as all of the cap space that will be available. Not many teams will have cap space this offseason. Looks like there's only going to be about seven teams. Of course, all of them look are definitely bottom teams. Um, probably the best team out of this group would be the Memphis Grizzlies. So we'll, we'll go over that today. And we're going to go over all the, for all those of you who don't know how the NBA offseason works and how the cap space and signing players, I'm going to try and explain that today in today's podcast. And I hope it'll be informative as well as fun to kind of predict where NBA players will go. Now, if we look at uh, all the free agents, we're going to go over both players that have player options, team options, or just straight unrestricted. Um, so first, I think, I, I mean, once it gets closer to the NBA season, I mean, to the NBA offseason, once it gets closer to that time, I'll do more of position-based. I'll rank kind of the free agent positions, probably the first, like the top 10 in each position and kind of predict where they will go. But for today, I kind of just want to go through all the players kind of at once and just kind of go for my predictions there. First, I want to get into the player option players. Now, if you don't know what a player option is, a player option is... Usually, it can be put on the final year of an NBA player's deal, and that option allows the player to either opt into the deal, so that means he'll opt into that last year of his contract with that money, or he can opt out and choose to get go unrestricted into the free agency of that year instead of the next year. Now, there are a lot of players at the top here. I mean, this class won't be nearly as talented as the 2021 class, but still, this class, most of the players at the top are player option players. So we're going to go over those first. Now, I'm kind of just going down this list. They just have it based on their 2019-2020 salaries. So funny, funny enough, Gordon Hayward is at the top of this list. So we'll go down these in terms of player options. So first, Gordon Hayward. I mean, if we're going to go into player options here. With this this virus and stopping the NBA and the NBA losing all of this money, 
I mean, players, most most of the, if not all, player option players will ex- opt into their deals just due to the fact that they want financial stability and they don't know if, if they opt out of their contracts and go into this free agency class. I mean, they can make a whole lot less money and they. I think a lot of players will just opt in to make make that money on the last day of their deal and not risk it this offseason. So I think that's mostly going to be my predictions to all these players. So first, we're going to go with Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I don't see him leaving Boston. I mean, next free agency class, a lot more teams will also have. And that's the other part is not many teams have cap space in order to sign. So most players will probably just re-sign with their teams. Gordon Hayward will be one of those players. I mean, I don't think there's really any option for him to really opt out because why would he go to any of these bottom feeding teams? I guess if he wants to be the number one option. But even then, say on a team like the Atlanta Hawks, I mean, Trey Young's going to be their number one guy. I mean, maybe if he wants to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers and carry that team with, uh, I mean, a very declining Kevin Love and an Andre Drummond where we still don't really know how he's going to play and, like, and also his motivation to play. But I guess we'll see what happens there. So Gordon Hayward, yes, I think he's going to opt into this last year of his deal that was worth $31 million. million. I don't see him going anywhere. Next is DeMar DeRozan. Um, He really hasn't liked it so far with the San Antonio Spurs. But, I mean, again, I don't really see him opting out of his deal to make $28 million because I don't think a team's offering him more than $20 million a year, especially, like, with this offseason. So I think he's going to try to take his $27.8 million player option even though he really hasn't been that good with the san antonio spurs i think he's gonna opt in next is otto porter jr who is making 26.6 million a year again yeah i think he's gonna opt in to his deal i mean he's he's a i mean i would put him about an average player at this point of his career he's already 27 years old which is insane a part of that 2014 draft class i think he was third overall to the wizards third or fourth overall they usually have that pick the and yeah so I think he'll be opting into that deal with Chicago and I don't see him leaving there now again like I've mentioned Andre Drummond he also has a player option with the Cleveland Cavaliers I mean he's gonna opt into that I think just for safety wise like I mean this NBA offseason would have been a lot more a lot more interesting if it weren't for this virus stopping I mean just all the money flow into the league and all that kind of stuff but Drummond, I don't see him leaving Cleveland. And then it was Anthony Davis. Now, this is actually a player I'm really intrigued to see. Um, I think he's a lot more likely now to opt into his deal. But further on, I think people were like were guessing if he would really opt out or into this deal or not. I mean, if the Lakers win the championship this season, I don't see him opting out at all. Either even if with even if the season wouldn't have stopped midway through, if they when it won, when it won the title. I don't see him opting out of that deal. There's just too much talent there with the Lakers and too much team chemistry at that point for him to opt out of that deal. But I see, I mean, maybe if the Lakers get knocked out in the second round of the playoffs in some like freak accident and like maybe LeBron goes down with the virus or something like that, or maybe they just get beaten by a, a lower seeded team, that I could see Davis maybe opting out of his deal and finding maybe even just a a sign and trade candidate or or something like that to go to another team but I really think it's a lot more likely for him to opt into that player option of 25 million 
Now, Nicholas Batum is the next one on this list. Uh, he's making 24 mil, 100% he's opting into that. Nicholas Batum, his greater days were with the Portland Trailblazers, but I really don't see... He hasn't done anything for really for this Charlotte Hornets team. I mean, he's averaging 23 minutes a game, and he's averaging 3.6 points per game, 4.5 rebounds a game, and 3 assists per game. I mean, you're paying $24 million. I mean, Michael Jordan, of course, in my opinion, and I will argue this with anyone, still the greatest player of all time. But let's just say he's one of the worst. He's been one of the worst owners slash GMs. Um, I hope he can really just start to learn from his mistakes and become a better owner. But signing Nick Batum in for $24 million, I think it was 2016. Oh, man, that was just an awful deal. Now we go down a bit here. The next player with the player option is Tim Hardaway Jr. for the Dallas Mavericks. He's making 17 mil a year. He's actually averaging 16 points per game, three rebounds a game, and two assists. He's actually playing pretty well on 28 point, 28 minutes a game. I don't see why he leaves this Mavericks team with also the $17 million contract because with him, Luka, and Kristaps, I think with another year of development with that team, maybe with another draft pick, that's a later round draft pick. I think they can make a real run at the championship next year. I mean, next year is going to be insane with the Warriors coming back healthy with another year with the Mavericks. I mean, I'm really excited for next season, especially, but Tim Hardaway, great year. And I just really don't see him opting out of the player option. Next is Evan Fournier plays for the Orlando magic. He's averaging 19 points a game on 30 minutes a game, which is actually pretty good. I mean, for $17 million, I think that's pretty much a bargain in today's league. I mean, not a bargain, but that's kind of right on track. He's almost a 20-point-per-game scorer for this Orlando team. And only on $17 million, that's a pretty good deal. And I think he's going to opt into that one. Because I don't think I don't know if a team's really going to pay him more than that this offseason. But I guess we'll have to see there. Next is James Johnson. Um, he's definitely opting into that deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, James Johnson is on the last leg of his career, honestly. I mean, he's he's a he's a decent two-way player, but he really needs to cash in that last paycheck because I don't think he can make any more than that than the rest of his career. Kelly Olenek is next for the Miami Heat. He's making $12.5 million a year. Um, yeah, like every, again, I don't really see the, the benefit... In opting out of this, so I, th- I say he's opting back in, and he's gonna go back to the Miami Heat. Tony Snell is next, making eleven point five million. He he actually does play twenty eight minutes for this Detroit Pistons team. That's really surprised me, but only eight points a game. I definitely see him opting into this eleven point five million dollar deal. He needs to cash that out because, I mean, if he gets into the into the free agency class, I don't see him making more than. Four or five million. Next is Jeremy Grant. Now, this one is actually probably the most interesting player option this offseason. Um, the Denver Nuggets have been getting older with especially with Paul Millsap. And I think Jeremy Grant really is the guy. He's a two, he's he can play the forward, both forward spots. He can play defense, he's lengthy, he can hit the three ball when he's open, he can score, he can do everything at that small forward or power forward spot and I really think he can be the, the the good replacement for Paul Millsap and so I think it's gonna be really interesting if he opts into this nine million dollar deal I think honestly he, he probably thinks he can get a little bit more like than that in free agency then I can see him opting out but 
if he wants to solidify himself and win games, I think he's going to opt in that deal with the Denver Nuggets for that point. But it can go either way with Jeremy Grant. And next is Contavious Caldwell Pope. Now, this guy is kind of a meme around the league, especially with the Lakers. Um, he's still averaging 25 minutes a game, which just is insane to me. Uh, he's making $8 million a year. I, he's opting into that, obviously. Next is Jabari Parker. Now, I really feel bad for this dude. I mean, injuries have just destroyed his career, especially with the Bucks and the Bulls. He's on Sacramento now, making $6.5 million. I definitely think he'll opt into that player option just so he can cash out that money. Because at this point in his career, with all of the devastating injuries, he needs to take all the money he can before he's out of the league. Rodney Hood is next for the Drell Blazers. He's making $5.8 million. Um, honestly, I, I, I see him opting out of this deal. I think he, he really thinks he could probably get a lot more money than that. Maybe even if he has to play for one of these really bad cap space teams, I think he uh, he's a lot, he's worth more than $5.8 million, So I could really see him opting out of that, especially with the Blazers having depth at those wing positions and him having to fight for all these minutes. I really don't see him opting back into that deal with in this offseason. Now we're going to go over a couple more that are um, noteworthy. We got Enos Cantor with for $4.8 million for the Celtics. I see him opting into that. J. Michael Green, $4.8 million. He's definitely opting into that. It looks like these are all mid-level exception deals. They're all at $4.8 million, which is around that range. Avery Bradley for the Lakers. Yeah, he's opting into that deal. Robin Lopez. Yes, he's also opting into that deal as well. And then we got JaVale McGee at 4.1. Um, especially if the Lakers win, I can see him opting into that because 4.1 mil for JaVale McGee. I mean, I think he'd take that money. Stanley Johnson, 3.7 million for the Toronto Raptors. Um, I, I could see him opting out. He only played 20 games this year. I mean, actually, I mean, if he only played 20 games this season, he honestly might want to opt out of that deal and try to find somewhere else to play, get another new start. He hasn't had the best start to his career. He's still only 24 years old out of Arizona. I mean, I don't know what, honestly, what he will do. And the rest of these, are not as noteworthy here. I mean, you got Austin Rivers at 2.2 million uh, and Willie Collie Stein at 2.2 million. I see them both opting into those deals. Um, Rajon Rondo at 2.5 million. You know, I could see him opting out of that deal and going to like a team like the Hawks and backing up Trey Young. Um, Wesley Matthews, 2.6 million. I think he's opting into that, especially if the Bucks win the championship. Now, there's some more player option deals, but. Rest of them aren't really noteworthy. Now, coming up next, we're going to get into unrestricted free agents and where I think they will end up for this NBA offseason. Welcome back to today's podcast, guys. We're going to get straight right back into it. Now, I'm going to go over some of the cap space and things that go on within salary cap within NBA teams before we get into unrestricted free agents because these are the real ones where I really do want to try and predict where they will go if if in unrestricted free agency. So first I want to go over this. Now again, I'm going into Eric Pincus's guide to 2020 NBA free agency cap space. Um, this is a big help in understanding and makes the NBA's uh, 
salary cap situation seem more just easy to understand. Now, they are reducing the salary cap projection for the 2020-21 season from $116 million to $115 million and the luxury tax threshold from $141 million to $139 million. Now, if you don't know what the luxury tax is, basically, if your team salary goes over the luxury tax threshold, your team has to pay an extra tax to the league because of that. It's basically to set... Even if, because say, like the Golden State Warriors have been in the luxury tax for quite a while now, because especially these last three years, paying paying Curry, Durant, Thompson, and Green all that money, plus Iguodala, who we paid seventeen million, we went over the tax. But I mean, the Warriors didn't really care because they were making a ton of money, winning championships, going to the finals. It really wasn't that big of a deal. But the luxury tax is basically basically there to kind of decrease the want to pay teams like play pay players a bunch of money and to go over that just to keep the league a little bit more fair and all that kind of stuff and so the salary cap is basically there to also say hey you can't just sign the top 10 players in the nba 40 million each and just take it that's kind of different with baseball. Baseball, I, I really don't think, has a salary cap. I do have to check my information on that. That really teams can offer whatever they want as long as they have the money. And that's why a lot of teams say like the Yankees, who have a ton of money, can can buy a lot more players and really trade and have a little bit more of an impact in free agency than, say, a team like the Athletics. I'm kind of referencing Moneyball there, if you've seen that movie. Fantastic movie. I would definitely definitely recommend that movie and it would actually give you a little bit more um, insight to the baseball salary uh, situation and how teams deal with and how uh, poor teams deal with that stuff now we're gonna go into the numbers again so at 115 million maximum salaries we start at 28.75 million for players with fewer than seven years of NBA experience. The max for seven to nine year vets will be $34.5 million. And for those with over 10 years of experience, it will be $40.25 million. Now, these are based on percentages of the salary cap. I can't remember the exact ones, but a player can get, say, like, let's say a max player can usually get 25% of the so if a max player, so say if they're an all-star and they a max player can get 25% of the salary cap, and I'm thinking that 28.75 million is about around 25% of 115 million there. And yeah, again, it's based on your NBA experience, and that's why guys like Steph Curry making 44 million a year. I mean, he's taken up at least, I think, 35% of the cap space. Because he is a franchise player. He does have those 10 years in the league, and that's why he got that contract extension. Now extensions will be it looks like extensions will be a little lowered a little bit so it says that quote unquote that's unfortunate for ben simmons and jamal murray who signed extensions with the philadelphia 76ers and nuggets respectively this past summer their salaries will drop from 168.2 million over five years to 166.75 million so not the biggest decrease for them but pascal's 129.2 million extension with the toronto raptors will also dip to 128 so not the biggest drop but again it really decreased a little bit of their pay 
Now, we're going to go over some of the exceptions that teams can have that are over the tax to be able to sign players. So that is really what the salary cap is for, so that you can't just sign another max player if you're over the salary cap. But if you are over the salary cap, these are what's here to have teams, say like the Warriors, that have been over the salary cap for the the last six years to be able to sign free agents, like decent veteran free agents. Now, the first option is a full mid-level exception. This is worth $9.76 million in a max of four years. So these are given to players that are, again, around probably like seven to ten years in the league, um, are definitely above average players, but definitely not your go-to guy. Um, this, yeah, so this gives teams like, the, like competitive teams, like the Warriors, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, who do go over that seller cap, to be able to sign someone with an exception to their salary cap to be able to sign someone to really make a good impact on their team. Now, the taxpayer mid-level exception, so this is for uh, uh, teams that are above the luxury tax and kind of like the Warriors. So this is what, the say, a team like the Warriors or the Rockets who are above the luxury tax, who players they could sign for $6.03 million max of three years. And then the room exception is $5.02 million this year, with a max of two years. Biannual exception will be 3.82 million, max of two years. And the rookie minimum contract will be $946,000. Now, this year, teams will be required to, ex- to spend at least $103.5 million on their rosters to be able to have access to these exceptions. Now, we're going to go into the luxury tax again, $141 million last projection but now it's projection to be about 139 million so that's going to be interesting there um we'll give teams a little less wiggle room with the luxury tax only two million dollars but not bad at all now we're going to go over the cap space teams now this is one of the one of the main two reasons why this free agency class won't nearly be as good as next season's free agency class. The cap space teams this year will only be seven of them. I mean, that plus the fact that there's not nearly as much talent available in this free agency class as there will be next offseason, as well as cap space teams. Now, first is the Atlanta Hawks. They will have up to $59 million in cap space. I mean, once they officially acquire Clint Capella in the recently leaked blockbuster trade, but less if Jabari Parker, Jabari, sorry guys, Jabari Parker opts in and the team retains Alex Len and DeAndre Bembry here. Next is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, they are in the fifty to fifty-two million dollar range, so they'll be able to sign a decent guy if if someone's in an unrestricted free agency. Uh, the next is the New York Knicks. Um, they'll have several partially guaranteed players, um, so they could reach around $50 million if they choose to opt out of those players' deals. Next is the, the Detroit Pistons. None if they retain Drummond. Now, of course, like we've seen, Drummond was traded to the Cavs. They would have around $37 million if Tony Snell opts in to his deal. The Charlotte Hornets, they're near $30 million for cap space. And this is assuming that Nicholas Batum will opt out of the $27 million. Like I've mentioned before, there, I don't think there's any way he is opting out of that deal. 
Next is the Cleveland Cavaliers who have about 28 million and then the Phoenix Suns with 25 million. So these are the only teams really that can sign a max level contract player. Good thing is there's really not many max level guys that are going to be in the unrestricted class. So most of the guys that I'm going to be going through and predicting will probably be like a room exception or mid-level exception type of players that will be going to contending teams. Now let's get right into these guys. Um, first one up on this list is Paul Millsap, who made $30 million this year. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. Now, if I guess I don't, I don't see the Nuggets really offering him more than maybe $15 million over the next two years, but... If, if Paul Millsap is offended by the offer, I could see him going to maybe one of the maybe, – maybe he goes back to the Hawks here. I could see him going back to the Hawks. Uh, they do have $60 million in cap. He could be a great veteran presence there who can play some defense. This Hawks team, one of the worst teams defensively the entire year. I mean, with Clint Capella and Paul Millsap, that could be a pretty decent front court right there, veteran front court for Trey Young to be able to go to work, but also Paul Millsap can space the floor for Trey Young as well, That stuff that Clint Capella can't do. Uh, I think I, that could be a good one. I'd also like to see him maybe go back to the Jazz on a mid-level exception if he chooses to, his uh, draftee team. I really don't see that happening, but I really would love to see him go to the Atlanta Hawks. Next up is Hassan Whiteside. He will be an unrestricted free agent. I do not see the Blazers bringing him back. I don't even think they'll be able to have enough cap space. They do have bird rights on him. Now, if you don't know what bird rights are, bird rights basically allow a team to offer a player early or or if or to offer them a deal that's better than most other teams could be able to offer him. But I really don't see the Blazers bringing him back. I mean, they'll already have Nurkic back and they'll have Collins and they'll be able to bring another big veteran big and in there. So I really don't see them bringing Whiteside in. He's had a fantastic season, though. 16 points per game, 14 rebounds a game, and three blocks a game. I mean, this dude is due for another paycheck here. I mean, the only players that – I mean, teams that could really give him a deal – I mean, maybe I could see the Knicks maybe offering him a deal, but I really couldn't see that happen because they do have Mitchell Robinson – um, maybe the Pistons, because they traded Drummond. Maybe they want a new center in there. But, I mean, other than that, the Suns will only have $25 million. I don't know if they'll really want to do that also, because they have DeAndre Ayton. Uh, the Cavs have Drummond. Uh, the Hornets maybe could be an, an option. But other than that, I mean, he's kind of out of luck. The Grizzlies would be an awesome fit. I mean, with... John Morant, Dylan Brooks, uh, they got Justice Winslow now, and they could have a Valance Yunus. Is that how you say it? I usually get that. I botched that name so many times. Um, With Valance Yunus and Whiteside could be a great front court. I don't think they'd play together, but they'd kind of just share them at the center spot. So that'd be a real interesting fit, either with that Grizzlies team or that Pistons team. Next is Mark Gasol. Um, yeah, the Raptors will have a lot of unrestricted free agents this offseason. Um, Kyle Lowry, I think, is the only one is that is still coming back. He's not showing up here on this list. That I think he's got one more le- year left on this deal, but a lot of these players for the Raptors will be unrestricted. Uh, the Gasol, I, I could see him coming back to the Raptors team, unless he wants to go back to his, to his uh, old Grizzlies team. 
I really don't see him. I, he could probably come back for like ten million. They might. He's he's thirty six years old, but he's still a great player. He's good all around, big, and can still be reliable out in the three point line, down low. And I could really see him still going to the Raptors. Now, next is his teammate, Serge Ibaka, who will also be unrestricted, coming off a $21 million deal. Again, I don't really think he'd want to go. I think he could get more than the middle-level exception, so I could see him uh, coming back to the Raptors as well. It just depends. I really think how they play out the playoffs. Um, The only team I could really see him going to in this free agency class would be Maybe the Suns, to, for them to play at my power forward uh, with Aiden. I don't know how that would work, but Serge Ibaka can shoot the rock. But if not, maybe he goes to a, another contender on the middle of exception. Maybe he is willing to uh, sacrifice that money if he's willing to go and win games somewhere else. Next is Dino, Dino, Danilo, sorry, Danilo Gallinari for the OKC Thunder. He's coming off a $21 million deal, but he did average 20 points a game, 5.5 rebounds a game, and two assists a game off of 30 minutes for this OKC team. They do have bird rights on him. Maybe they could, I could see them run, uh, bringing him back, but honestly, um, maybe the, the Suns could also use him here as a stretch four. I think that could be really good with that team. I mean, you got like Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Kelly Oubre, Gallinari, Aiton lineup. That can be a playoff contender next season. I could really, I would really like to see him there. And I mean, that's really the only realistic fit I really see him with this free this cap space teams. Next is Jeff Teague, <laughs> coming off that nineteen million dollar year deal. Uh, I don't see him getting more than the middle level exception anywhere. So uh, maybe he goes to a contender, a team that may needs a backup point guard, but um, he's definitely not coming back to this Hawks team. Derek Favors is next for this New Orleans Pelicans team. Uh, I, I can see them bringing him back as another veteran big, maybe giving him about half of that $18 million, maybe around $10 million, 10 to $15 million, maybe over, they give him a deal over like two or three years, maybe with a team option on the end of it. Um, he's played pretty well for them this season, and he's done his job well. He's averaging nine points a game and ten rebounds a game for this Pelicans team and could really be a good mentor to Zion Williamson. Next is, oh boy, Bismack Biombo. Now, again, if you guys watched the NBA in 2016 or kept up with the NBA then, uh, it was an awful offseason in terms, in terms of uh, giving horrible deals because that was when cap space like blew up just out of the roof due to the new CBA, which is the collective bargaining agreement, which gave a lot more cap space and money to teams to to work with. So teams were just giving out deals left and right. Bismack Biombo was one of those who got very overpaid. He is, he was making 18 million a year and I don't see him getting any more than the minimum uh, level deal with any team. He is just, (laughs) That's just a laughable contract for Bismack Biombo, and I could see him really going anywhere on a minimum deal, but he won't get any more money other than that. Next is Kent Bazemore. Uh, he's making $17.5 million. I think he was also part of that 2016 free agency class uh, for this Kings team. He's averaged nine points a game and four rebounds a game. I, I could I could probably see him making $10 million for uh, a non-contender out of these cap space teams. But maybe this Kings bring him back on that deal. But I mean, really, like just just for a guy that play that can hit the three ball decently and can guard up people, 
I don't see him making $17.5 million in the offseason. Evan Turner, <laughs> another 2016 NBA free agency deal. Oh, most of these are just very bad and make me want to cringe. Um, Evan Turner, I don't see him making more than the room exception. I think it's around $5 million a year. Uh, I could see him maybe going to a contender that needs uh, a veteran presence, but, I mean... The dude sucks. He can't. He can't shoot the ball. He's more of a point forward. But I mean, unless you're like LeBron James or Giannis, no one really needs a point forward unless you're like just completely talented like that. So, I mean, maybe he even comes out of the league at that point. But I don't see him making more than the room exception. Next is Goran Dragic. Um, I don't. The Miami Heat might bring him back. I think uh, maybe to be a backup point guard to Kendrick Nunn. Um, he had, as I think it was all-star last season. So he's always been a pretty good player. He averages around 17 points a game and five to six assists per game. He's always been a very reliable point guard. And he's one of my favorite underrated point guard. He is 34 years old. Uh, maybe he could make a middle of exception with another, with another playoff team that needs uh point guard depth. Maybe, maybe I couldn't see the Blazers doing it. Um, Maybe the Jazz if Emmanuel Moutier goes, but other than that, I don't see Drogic going in to anywhere else but Miami. I think Miami will bring him back. Next is Tristan Thompson, sixteen, another twenty sixteen uh, NBA draft class, a free agency class pick, sixteen million a year. Um, he's averaging twelve and ten this year, but the Cavs I think will bring him back. Um, Probably on like only ten million a year. They'll probably overpay him just because he's been with the Cavs his whole career, and maybe they just want to pay him back that way. But maybe he goes to a Charlotte Hornets team where uh, Michael Jordan will probably overpay, probably give him like twenty mil. He's like, oh yeah, this guy is underrated, and somehow give him twenty million over, I mean eighty million over four years. Oh man. Next is Ian Mahimi. Again, another twenty sixteen. Uh, free agency draft class, free agency class player, sixteen million a year, thirty three years old. I mean, just an awful contract. I don't see him making the minimum anywhere else. Next is Bobby Portis. <laughs> this guy's actually on a team option this year. Um, so if you don't know what a team option, a team option is basically the opposite of a player option. So the team has the choice whether to opt in or out of their deal. Uh, I think the Knicks will probably just opt into this deal. Uh, the Knicks, just since they uh, struck out on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they thought they were going to get Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and they thought they were going to get the first pick with Zion Williamson. Knicks fans are just, I mean, they just love to be in their own imaginations. And this turned out to be getting Bobby Portis and a bunch of other power forwards. And, I mean, of course, they still suck. And their management is just horrific. They need a new front office, and I really see them still opting into this deal just because they might as well wait until next offseason to get, I mean, a, a marquee free agent because there's really no one to really spend your money on here. I don't think that's worth it for the Knicks. Um, Marcus Morris is next for the Clippers. I, c- I could see him coming back on a mid-level exception maybe to the Clippers. Uh, I love the Morris Twins. I think they're great players, can play both forward spots, and I think Markeith can even play the center at times, but they're great role players, play def- play hard on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they're pretty good all around on the offense as well. 
Um, I love these guys. I'd love to have a, one of the Morris twins on the Warriors at some point. They're great guys, great role players. I could see him going back to the Clippers to make another run at a title. Next is Brandon Knight. I just see this dude probably going out of the league. I mean, his career just went downhill, $15 million a year. Yeah, he's going out of the league. That's my prediction. Next is Mason Plumlee um, for the Denver Nuggets. I mean, for me, I think the Nuggets either have to bring back, they have to really choose between two of the three out of Plumlee, Millsap, and Grant. And if I'm the Nuggets, I'm probably going with Grant and Millsap. Plumlee is just, I mean, Plumlee's a decent guy, but a lot of the time he wants to call for the ball down low, even though he really isn't a post scorer. It's like he takes up all this space for the Nuggets sometimes, and it's like the guys are forced to throw him the ball because he's creating this space, and then then he just bricks a post. Like He has good post moves, but then he just bricks the shot. I mean, I, I really don't see the, the Denver Nuggets bringing him back for another $14 million. Next is Jordan Clarkson uh, for the Utah Jazz. I mean, I really couldn't see this guy going to any bottom-feeding team. I think he really wants to compete, and he could come back to this Utah Jazz team if he can, if he can get a decent deal there. Now, the rest of this list, I'm going to kind of scroll through. Andre Roberson will be an unrestricted free agent. That's going to be really interesting. I don't know if this uh, the Thunder will even bring him back uh, because of his injury. He's I mean, he's been out the last two years due to, I think it was uh, some sort of ACL or knee, like something in the knee. And he hasn't, I mean, but Andre Roberson, I think, is a top 10 defender in the league. He cannot shoot the ball worth a darn, but I think a team could really use that. I just don't know how much a team will really pay for him for his services to play, to really just defend and who knows if he's even good at it anymore with these with this like two year uh, stint of injuries um, I could see a contender signing him for the middle of the exception maybe a Clippers if they don't bring back Morris or maybe the Lakers the Bucks Warriors maybe a team could just use some more defense I could really see Roberson go to a contender Next is Fred Van Vliet. Now, I think this guy is going to get a max deal with the Raptors. He played fantastic in the NBA Finals last year. Um, I could see him definitely getting upwards of $20 million a year on his next deal. He's definitely going back to the Raptors. Bogdan Bogdanovich. For the Kings, he's making $9 million a year, and he's expected to make around $20 million a year. I don't really... I mean, if you look at the player he is, great shooter... Uh, he play he can play the both shooting guard and small forward spots. Uh, I think the Kings really have to bring him back. I mean, if the Kings want to make another run at the playoffs this next season, I think they really have to bring him back. I think he's a great guy. I mean, he's, he's averaging fourteen point five points a game with three rebounds and three assists. Uh, he can he, I mean, some players he can guard on the defensive side of the, the ball, but if you put up against any like superstar small forward, they're definitely eating him up. But uh, I see Bogdanovich going to the Kings. I would at least hope, but who knows what the Kings management will do. Um, they're not the best either. Next is Etwan Moore for the Pelicans, uh, making 18 mil. I see him going back maybe for a minimum deal. Joe Harris at 8 million for the Brooklyn Nets. I see them bringing him back. I mean, I think he's a key player to keeping this Nets team Uh uh, competitive, especially with the Kyrie and Kevin Durant duo, 
Harris can really spread the floor. One of the best three-point shooters in the league. I think he really deserves at least $15 million a year. Maybe they'll give him maybe like a three-year deal for this Nets team, kind of to match up with the rest of the deals with the Irving and Durant, who have three more years left in this deal after this season. So I could really see him getting maybe $15 million a year uh, for three years. Marvin Bagley, I mean, he's a he's on a player option, uh, which is uh, due to his rookie deal, Kings automatically accepting that. Jay Crowder, now, I would really, he's making $7 million a year, he's going to be unrestricted. I could really see him going to, to the Warriors. Uh, he can shoot the rock and also play good defense as well. Um, I could also see him going to... Um, one of the clip, the Clippers or Lakers teams, I, I, he really needs to, wants to win. And I think he's really going to be a good impact wherever he chooses to go. Montrez Harrell. Now he is expecting to make at least 20 million a year. I think the Clippers are just going to bring him back no matter what. I really think they have to. Um, I mean, if he doesn't, I mean, I don't even know where he's going to go. He can't go to the Suns. Suns don't need him. Cavs don't need him. Hornets could bring him in. Or even the Pistons. I could see him go to the Pistons. Even the Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies could be in contention to sign any of these free agent centers. And, I mean... Uh, sorry, guys. Just lost the page. Montrose, so, Montrose Harrell, um, he really does everything you need in a center. He He plays hard. I mean, he's got he really in my eyes. He's got that Rodman mentality. He's only six eight playing the center spot, but he really it really doesn't feel like he's six eight. He plays like he's six eleven, seven feet tall. He goes and grabs the boards. He plays tough defense. He dives for balls. I mean, he's one of my favorite underrated players as well. And I could see him really going to a, a Grizzlies team if uh, Mark Gasol or Whiteside doesn't go there. Now, Brandon Ingram. Uh, I think he's yeah he's definitely going to get re-signed with the Pelicans. Uh, fantastic year, first year All Star this year uh, was the main score for this Pelicans team. Twenty four points a game, six rebounds and four assists a game. I was really excited to play him to play without LeBron because LeBron I think was kind of holding him back in uh, Los Angeles, and I don't think Brandon Ingram was really going to ever sprout like he did with the Pelicans as he would with the Lakers. So the Pelicans, I think, will definitely bring him back. Uh, the Pelicans are going to make another great run this year with Zion back. I mean, this Western Conference is just going to be insane this next year. I'm really excited to watch it. Aaron Baines, I could see him going to a Warriors, or maybe he goes back to the Celtics to help their center uh, center depth. Um, but other than that, I don't see him going to anywhere else. Um, we got Frank Kaminsky on a team deal as well as Garrett Temple. I think both of those will be accepted. They're both for $4.7 million. Justin Holliday, um, I, I see him going to, maybe to one of these bottom-feeding teams for a little bit more money than he's worth, maybe like around $10 million. But other than that, I don't think he's going anywhere else. And as we go on this list, not much left. Dario Saric. Uh, maybe he goes back to Phoenix, but I think he could probably get the middle of exception. Um, he has played around six years in the league. I mean, if, if he doesn't go to the Phoenix Suns, he's definitely going to one of the cap space teams. Bryn Forbes for the San Antonio Spurs at $3 million. I see the Spurs bringing them back as well as uh, Jakob Pertl. Uh, Alonzo Trier for the Knicks. 
had a fantastic year the last season. Uh, could score at will. I think he came off of uh, the G League team for the Knicks. Uh, funny enough, they probably got more talent on that G League team than their actual NBA team, unfortunately. Now, Kyle Korver, he's 39 years old. If he doesn't retire, I only see him going on a one-year deal, maybe back to the Bucks or another contender. Pretty simple there. And then we got Vince Carter. He's, this is his last season, unfortunately. One of my favorite players of all time in terms of throwback players that aren't on the Warriors and my favorite team. Just one of the most awesome guys to watch, especially when he played for the Raptors and for the Nets. Uh, I'm really sad to see him go, but yeah, he will be retiring this offseason. Uh, Udonis Haslam, if he doesn't retire, going back to the Heat. That's what he's done his whole career. Tabo Cephalosha, I could see him making a run with the contender, but if he doesn't get a deal, I could see him maybe going to play overseas. Now the rest of these players are not much to talk about. Uh, maybe other than maybe Carmelo Anthony. Uh, I could see him signing back with the Blazers or, again, a contender. The Bucks. maybe if they want to go with the Lakers with LeBron and Carmelo from that uh, 2003 draft class, I could see that happening. But other than that, not much to look forward to here in terms of uh, free agents. If I see anyone here, I will talk about it. Christian Wood, that's the last player I want to talk about here. Uh, also, Derek Jones after that. Um, Christian Wood, breakout year, 13 points a game and six rebounds a game for this Pistons team. He spent his whole year grinding on all these G League teams, and he's finally made his way to the NBA and starting for this Pistons team and making a big impact for him. He's a great uh, power forward. He can also play some small and small forward and center. Um, he is probably looking to get around $15 million a year. He's definitely earned this money. He has just like come from the bottom, playing from the G League, and now making a difference with this Pistons team. He's definitely earned that $15 million a year deal. Last guy I want to talk about is Derek Jones Jr. Uh, I could see him honestly making around the same amount of money as Christian Wood. Uh, Derek Jones, obviously we know he's not much of a shooter, uh, but one of the best dunkers in the league. He's lengthy. I really think the Miami Heat will probably want to bring him back for $15 million. I think it would be really worth it. He's still only 23 years old. I thought he was a lot older than that. But uh, he, again, he also worked his way from the G League like Christian Wood did. Uh, he's a good impact player for this Miami Heat team. I see him going back there. Now, before we close today's podcast, I wanted to clear a couple things up. I did make a mistake during last segment saying that the Hawks still had uh, Jabari Parker in terms of their cap space, but they did trade him uh, before the trade deadline to the Sacramento Kings, so they don't got to worry about that. Also wanted to clear up, if anyone was really wondering why I didn't put Trey Young on my All-NBA teams, uh, pretty simple enough. His team, bottom of the Eastern Conference, awful. Uh, I mean, Trey Young, again, like third, I think he's third in scoring with 29 points a game, almost 30 points a game with nine assists and four rebounds. But the dude is just also just a complete liability on the defensive side of the ball. Usually when teams face this Hawks team, I mean, especially if they have a great guard, like any top 10 point guard or even shooting guard that matter, they will try to go at Trey Young every possession because that's really just how bad he is defensively still. And again, this Hawks team is at the bottom of the league and all of the other players that I picked for my All-NBA teams, 
their teams are at least at the ninth seed or above. So at least chances to even to make the playoffs or for an NBA championship. So that's really what I took into consideration there. That's why he did not make at least my All-NBA third team. Maybe if the Hawks make a uh, another push for the playoffs next season, if they can retool, get another draft pick, maybe get a pretty good free agent out of this free agency class. I could put Trey Young on next year's All-NBA team, but we'll have to see there. But again, that's I'm just trying to clear that up of why he didn't make my team. Thank you guys for listening to today's podcast. Next time's podcast, again, will be my 2020 NBA mock draft and doing all of the lottery teams, what they're set in place with their picks. And again, I will give you guys another podcast other than the other two that I will usually give you twice a week to make up for the podcast I won't give you in the middle of this week. I hope you guys have a great June 15th and the rest of this week, and I hope everything goes well for you guys. Thanks again for you guys listening to this podcast. I will see you guys then. Bye.